I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. Hey everybody, it's Micah and Josiah Keneally here. And we are super excited to let you know about an amazing opportunity called 2021 Young Adults Today Conference. It's happening March 5th and 6th virtually this year. This means that you and your teams can tune in from wherever you are. This conference is geared specifically for next generation leaders and their teams. Some of the guests helping us lead the way are Brad Jones from Passion Movement, Dr. Sammy Kim from Harvard University, Pastor Josh Shaldow from Evangel Church, Grant Skeldon from Q Ideas. There'll be breakout sessions, panels, times of connection, worship, and more. So register now at www.youngadults.today conference. Hope to see you there. Can't wait. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Mike Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Today, and like always, I'm with my husband and my co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how is that grin on your face today? I'm doing great. This is fun to host with you. You do such a great job, not only with the intro, but going on script with questions, off script with questions. This is a delight to do together, Micah. Well, we also have a very delightful individual that we For sure. get to hang out with today. So as the listener tunes in, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, listen in today to see who our special guest is. Josiah, I'm not going to rob you of that joy. Who is the third party on our call today? So on Young Adults Today, we're joined today by Chad Torreson. Chad, along with his wife, Sarah, leads the vision and direction of young adult ministry at Canyon Hills Community Church in Bothell, Washington. They oversee all the young adult life groups, actually college and young professional now with life groups and large group gatherings. Chad and Sarah also work hard as parents to their daughters. We know that that is vital, important. It's ministry. It's meaningful. And the struggle can be real at times. And so they have two daughters, Lucy and Calvary. Chad's favorite verse is Galatians 2.20. Before we even get started, I just want to say to the listener, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking out this podcast. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. If you're listening, please share this with someone that you believe will benefit from it. Maybe they're a volunteer, a teammate, you're in ministry together, listen to it with your team. But Chad, welcome to Young Adults Today podcast. Thanks for having this conversation. Hey guys, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to come on and, and talk about life, talk about ministry. Uh, I, I'm so excited to be here today. We are thrilled to have you. And Chad, before we, before we always hit record, before we see you face-to-face, I always say, Josiah, pull up the most recent photo of their family. Yep. And your daughters are so stinking cute. That it's little true. one, her head of hair. I was like, <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm like, yes, that baby is beautiful. <laughs> she definitely has a huge uh, head of hair, that's for sure. But she's getting the flap. The, the back part is rubbing off. And so she'll have like almost my haircut with the, the high, uh, high and tight fade going. And hey. so, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's in. <laughs> <laughs> that is too fun. Well, Chad, we always want to dive in today and just kick things off. Will you start off by sharing some of your story, your journey of life, anything from faith and leadership with our audience and us today? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, grew up in Indianapolis. Uh, I went K through 12 through the local school there. Um, My parents actually got saved when I was really young. uh, And so they jumped headlong into the church. And so growing up, I always just found uh, myself at the church, um, learning all the stories of the scripture and and just being around God's people. Um, I I trusted in Christ uh, when I was in fifth grade at summer camp. Uh, I remember very vividly knowing that I needed Jesus um, because I couldn't be good enough. Um, yeah. And so I, I trusted in Christ there um, and, um, and just started pursuing Christ. Uh, although I could kind of looking back, always realize that I had kind of like one foot in and one foot out. Um, and, and throughout middle school and high school was uh, plagued by uh, peer pressure and peer culture approval um, uh, by pleasure and, and pursuing worldly treasures to mm-hmm. try to find uh, my happiness. And yet all this was going on, and, and yet I was at a youth group on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and, and Wednesday nights and just kind of uh, grew up as a, a cultural Christian. Um, that kind of came to a crossroads probably my, my junior year of high school uh, where I uh, switched churches, um, and the youth pastor there really began investing in discipling me. 
Um, and it was there that my life radically began to change. And I realized um, I wanted to go all in for Christ. Uh, I didn't know what that looked like. Uh, I knew that I didn't know a lot about the Bible or anything like that. And so I just managed to uh, go to Bible college. And, and in the process of that, thinking, man, I just want to learn about the Bible and learn more about uh, this God that I, that I want to follow. Um, and so I ended up at a Bible college in Virginia, uh, where I was able to serve in a student ministry there. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, the summer after my sophomore year of college, uh, I worked at a summer camp uh, in the North Georgia mountains, um, where uh, it was there that I met my wife, uh, where mm -hmm. we were able to serve at the camp together. And so, yeah, I had a camp relationship and that has now <laughs> turned into marriage. Um, Praise but, God. Um, but yeah, it was there where I, um, I really fell in love with discipling people um, and, and serving the Lord. Um, and after that, we, we managed to head back to my hometown in, Indian, in, the, excuse me, in Indianapolis, mm -hmm. uh, where I was a student pastor uh, for four years um, and got to invest in a, a local church there, uh, which I love. Um, and then uh, about three years ago, uh, my family and I packed up uh, all of our things and drove drove 2,500 miles uh, across the country wow. uh, where wow. I am now uh, the, the young adults pastor uh, at a church in Bothell, Washington, uh, which is just north of, uh, of Seattle. And so in terms of my family, like we said, I have my amazing wife, Sarah, uh, and then our two daughters, Lucy, uh, who is three and a half, uh, and then Callie, uh, who is six months old. Uh, wow. She came right, uh, right at the beginning of the COVID lockdown. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was actually a huge blessing in disguise that I was able to be uh, at home working from home for 15 weeks um, yep. as all of the COVID stuff was happening. But I, I loved it because I got to spend a lot of time with, uh, with my girls. Um, so yeah, there's just a, a little bit about, about me. <laughs> oh, it's so good, man. Your youngest daughter is about two months older than our daughter, Aurora. And you both came in the middle of COVID and Man, what a treasure to have the time home as a family and just excited about this season of your life as ministry, you know, in ministry. And um, Chad, I know we've talked and in every conversation you and I have had, I've walked away energized and inspired because you share a passion for young adult ministry. And, you know, I even want to ask you, like you've shared this with me before. You're one of the most supportive people of this podcast, mm -hmm. the Facebook group we have, you've just at times said like, I want to help champion this vision with you. And so we're so grateful for you as a brother in Christ, as a co-laborer. And there was a moment that you had, you were leading student ministry and young adult ministry in Indianapolis. And then you had said something like, didn't you say if, if a door ever opened to do full-time young adult ministry, you'd be excited about it? Like talk about that. Yeah, so I was um, at the, the, the church I was at, was doing middle school, high school, and young adults ministry. Um, and, and nothing against student ministry. Like, I, I love student ministry and my time, and, the, and specifically the students I got invested in. But I remember doing young adults ministry and just thinking, if I had the opportunity to do that full time, like, I would jump at the opportunity to do that because I, I really truly believe and, and still do that um, young adults ministry is a massive need within the local church. Yeah. Um, it's one of the largest demographics, but yet is not uh, being reached largely uh, across the, the local church. Uh, almost every single church has a student ministry. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's very uh, normal for that to take place, but very few are, are reaching a young adults. And I think unintentionally the church is saying, hey, wait until you get married and start a family and then we'll re-engage with you. Yeah. Uh, and so I realized that, hey, here's this need. It's not really being met. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I want to be able to do something about it. And so if I could invest all my time and effort and direction into that, like I would, I would sign up for that in a second. Right. Chad, I think you said it perfectly. It reminded me of like almost like a 12 year sabbatical. If you're 18, well, we'll see you when you're 30 and you have a family of your own, you know, and you start to kind of start getting, you know, your feet in the ground or extreme adulting or whatever you want to say. And so many of our listeners are individuals who have a desire to see a young adult ministry one start yeah. because God has put something in their heart, whether it's only a life group right now, or maybe even in the beginning stages of a Bible study or whatever verbiage you want to use Two, many people are taking over existing ministries and are like, 
how do we see this thing expand to reach more people our age, between the ages of 18 and 30? Maybe their college, maybe their career, maybe they're young adult married, maybe they're young families, you know? A lot of life can happen in those 12 years. Totally. And then the third group is primarily people who just want to strengthen their ministry, that they want to take it to the next level. And I would just love to hear, um, obviously our listeners, they have a passion and they have a, they have their why. Why do they do what they do when it comes to young adult ministry? And they have their story of how that got started. But Chad, what is your personal why in regards to what you do and why are you passionate about young adult ministry altogether? Yeah, so I think you said it a little bit there, but young adults are at a huge pivotal point in their lives where they're making some massive decisions. Like what are their careers? Mm-hmm. Uh, who will they date and, and potentially marry? Um, what are their passions going to be? Who, what are they going to be about? Um, and so my, my why is, is that um, large part, all of those are, are felt needs, but their deepest need is, is the gospel. And so my, my why is to reach this young adult demographic, specifically here in the Bothell area, with the hope of the gospel, and then give them practical, um, uh, practical advice and pra- practical wisdom of yeah. how to li- uh, live their lives God- God's way. I think culture specifically online today is, is sending our young adults a message of this is what life is about and this is how to find happiness and pleasure and things like that. When I think we have uh, the, the greatest news and the greatest thing ever that we can help them to find lasting joy, to find mm-hmm. purpose, to find peace. Uh, and so my, my why is that I have a hope to uh, encourage our young adults to live life God's way. Um, And there is great hope. There's great joy in that. And and I can't help but share uh, the things in which I've um, experienced. That's so fun. I love the word that you use, practical wisdom. Because I think so many times young adults will tell me how to do it and I'll do it. Or why shouldn't I be doing this? You know, so they kind of have like this underlining prompting of like, I want to hear and I want to know more, but I have a little bit of an attitude because I want to see how much you care in the process. So if students and young adults can understand, first of all, how much God loves them, how much we love them, and how much we are in their corner through prayer, um, through guidance, through just an open ear sometimes, but practical wisdom, I feel like is a term that is lacking in the ability for young adults to problem solve, to critically think, and to also truly suffer the consequences, uh, both good and bad, of the decisions that they made because of the parents have swooped in and saved, swooped in, savior complex, whatever that is. So it's just fun to hear the fact that you are saying, I'm going to point them to the Bible. I'm going to point them to Christ. And then we're going to unpack this godly wisdom together. So they are equipped once they enter the real world, quote unquote, and they have the tools to do that. Because So many times I think of, even when I was growing up, well, what's my number? What are my three things? One, two, three. Okay, I can do that. And it's like, well, <laughs> am I seeking God's wisdom or is this a man-made checklist that I'm trying to achieve? So I just wanted to say that. That's all. <laughs> There's such practical wisdom that's found in scripture and the stories of scripture and, you know, even through the the community of God's people that his spirit can, can reveal. And as I look at just like the landscape of young adult ministry, Chad, I think of like when I was on staff at a local church doing what you're doing at a local church, I remember looking and just asking God, like, who have you brought us? Who have you brought us to impart practical wisdom to? And I knew that a a lot of the group usually looked like me as a leader in terms of the life stage that I was in. The ministry kind of reflected that life stage, if if that makes sense, at least in our context it did. And, you know, when I was 21, 22 and starting out, there was like a flood of college students that just showed up for sure single college students was primarily and then as I got a little bit older 25 26 man it's like everyone had a LinkedIn profile and everyone's like a young (laughs) professional they're like starting out in their career and then you know I get married and then it was like the night we got married it was like 
30 couples probably came out of the woodwork. We're they like, came out of the woodwork. Dang, where'd these people come from? Where have they been? <laughs> and so I just think of like, who's a young adult? Who has God sent you? And thinking to the listener of who is in your context. Maybe you're in the suburbs. Maybe mm-hmm. you're in a rural setting or in, in downtown metropolis. Like there's probably 18 to 30 year olds. And within that, it's such a broad stroke of college students career people and then young couples as well and so what we try to do is always have small group bible studies for each of those stages but we did a lot of our events together that could overlap and share resources and cross-pollinate but chad i just want to dissect in canyon hills young adults what does that make up what's the breakdown look like and how have you structured your ministry even recently yeah so uh where we're at canyon hills is about 20 miles north of seattle um, and so we are in the, the suburbs, um, and there's no large universities near us. There are a ton of community colleges, though. Um, so there's a lot of young adults who um, live in the area, kind of grown up here, and attend the community colleges or doing college online or are entering into the workforce. Um, and yep. so as I have been praying and processing through uh, how to reach our young adults here, um, I, I did some research and found that there is approximately 66,000 um, young wow, adults wow. age 18 to 29 uh, within a 10 mile radius of our church building. Praise um, God. And so the, the mission field is massive and they're here. And that's anyone from people going to college all the way into the young professionals, where we have a large corporations like Boeing, Microsoft, Amazon, um, all of those type of corporations are here, which are drawing in young professionals who are uh, finding their career but are looking for community. Uh, and, and so large in part, that is our, our breakdown, uh, is uh, quite a bit of college students that are here that are doing commuter type stuff and, and living at home, but then also those who have moved here to pursue their career and are looking to meet Jesus, find, a faith, find their faith, and, and jump into community. That is so good. That is, that's insane. I'm just trying to comprehend 66,000 students within a 10 mile radius. Like we live in like the Minneapolis area and there's like what, 52 or 56,000 students just at the university in Minnesota. So to comprehend just that 10 mile radius is just people living on top of each other in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is Seattle for you. Everything is jammed in here. I live like six miles away and it takes me like 40 minutes to get home because it is just, (laughs) there's people everywhere here. Well, our goal is to be out to Seattle. We've only been to the airport, but we would love to go there and actually sit on the land, check out some seafood, check out some coffee, coffee, (laughs) all that good stuff that young adults like to do. Well, Well, go ahead. Chad, one of the focuses that like, I just wanted us, my dad, to pick your brain about is self-leadership. And with that, we'll, we'll dissect a little bit about like your process. Also, we'll talk about just like maybe your leadership team and your framework for leadership. And Mikey, you could even take it away and kick off this kind of section and and get us started in self-leadership. So the question is, what is your framework for leadership? Self-leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my my framework for self-leadership is is the way of Jesus. Um, And so large in part, I think of when we we look at ministry, immediately we think of, okay, I'm leading other people. But I think the biggest category within that is how am I leading myself? Um, And and to put it more directly, um, am I uh, pursuing my own spiritual growth or am I neglecting it? Um, And and when we look at the scriptures, uh, it's not only obeys to command, but a pattern of life uh, in which we're to pursue as well. Uh, and I think that we get this large and far, large in part from Jesus, um, as uh, um, as he in his earthly ministry um, was having a pattern in which he lived his life. Uh, and so, large in part, my my framework for how I uh, lead myself is in essence being an apprentice to Jesus um, and, and wanting to pattern my life after his. That's so good. I would even say, Josiah, if you're going to ask us to answer the same question that Chad just answered, I kind of would add on to that of just being a lifelong student, not like a lifelong learner. That's important too, but just being a student of Christ for sure. And am I 
being discipled? Am I discipling those to come? Am I linking arms with the generations who've gone before me? And are, and are they imparting wisdom on me? And are they two, three, four stages ahead of me in life? Maybe they're already retired and they are, you know, enjoying, you know, whatever location they want. And, you know, and am I looking back or am I holding and linking arms with a generation behind me? Like, am I doing my part as being discipled, but also discipling those for Christ and in Christ's name? And, but in order to self um, lead, I think I need to die to self every single day. I think it was, oh, who said it? it the first funeral that I attend every day is my own. Mm-hmm. Lecrae? I think so. I think it was yeah. in his, one of his books yeah. he talks about. And just recognizing that Oswald Changers. Uh, Oswald Chambers was talking about um, the process of sanctification and what does that mean? And that's becoming more like Christ. That's becoming holy and pure. And it's not just a one-time all. Yes, there's one time of freedom where we get that initial, you know, salvation moment. But in addition to that, it's a constant process. So I think who I am becoming as a leader and how I self-lead automatically bleeds into any form of leadership or ministry behind me and around me. So if I I'm struggling with something and I'm secretly sinning or whatever, that sin will creep out or creep into the ministry that we're leading. Or if I'm living pure and holy and I'm entering the throne room and I'm teaching people what I've learned and they can come along with me, wow, they are going to thrive and they are going to experience Christ at a whole new level, not because of me, but because I've given uh, the Holy Spirit to use me and an opportunity for them to be included in on that. So that's just a glimpse of self-leadership, what I would describe without taking too much time. So I think that's amazing. You know, Chad, you said the the Jesus way, you know, like your framework of self-leadership is Jesus framework for leadership. And I think of like self-leadership, I want to ask you more about my only thought on this is it's said of like, basically Jesus life from zero to 30 is summed up by Luke in like one verse, Luke 252, like 30 years. I'm going to summarize it in a sentence. And he says, and Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and in favor with people. And that's about all that Luke describes (laughs) Jesus entire young adulthood or Jesus entire adolescence and you know, kids, youth, kids, youth, and young adult ministry. There's your next gen philosophy. The way of Jesus is he grew physically, spiritually, mentally, and socially. And I think that I've personally taken it as a challenge every January to write down those four areas: wisdom, stature, favor with God, mm-hmm. favor with people, and so mentally, physically, spiritually, socially, and writing down goals and tracking growth year over year in my own discipleship Mm -hmm. as an apprentice of Jesus. But I mean, how else would you say that the process of growth you've gone through has looked like as a young leader? And maybe that translates to the listener of how you'd encourage them as a young leader wanting to grow as an apprentice of Jesus. Yeah, so I uh, I learned to lead myself by not doing it well. <laughs> like I think it was like trial by fire. Um, so early on in ministry, I remember just like running around like a chicken with my head cut off, like trying to do everything, mm-hmm. planning and executing events, meeting with all the leaders and trying to inspire them, uh, preaching messages and, and trying to direct people uh, to God's word and saying yes to almost every request that came in my direction. Um, so I was over capacity. I was uh, over my capacity. I was stressed out mm-hmm. uh, and, and just running on empty spiritually. Um, and so I just came to this crossroads where I realized that if I'm not filling my cup up, then I have literally nothing to pour out into the lives of those around me. It's true. Um, and I also realized that nobody prioritizes my own spiritual growth more than I do. Like I always thought of, okay, well, they see that this is important, so they're going to pressure me to do it. No, mm-hmm. everybody is just wanting to take more of my time and, and do different things, which are good, but large in part, I needed to build my personal discipline of regular spiritual disciplines and, mm-hmm. and pattering, my, pattern, pattering uh, I can't say it, <laughs> um, my life after Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so I, I realized that I had to stop uh, apologizing for saying no to things so that I could align my life more and more with Jesus and a lot more time uh, to connect with God. Um, and, and so that, that was a big learning process for me. And I think I, at times I still fail at that. 
Um, like I, I still could do a better job, uh, but just a few couple tangible examples for me that I try to focus on uh, is patterning. Uh, pat I can't even say the word be yet. I keep on trying to say it. Um, uh, reflecting Jesus's lifestyle. There we go. Like you see in Mark one, how Jesus uh, after his baptism, uh, after he kind of received his identity as purpose, um, was immediately yeah. taken to the wilderness uh, where uh, he was tempted, but but large in part he spent time. Uh, with the Lord and, and reflecting on the scriptures there and then comes back and does ministry for a day. He heals people. He mm -hmm. um, uh, calls his disciples. And then it literally says immediately, then the next morning, while it was still early, he got up and went up to the mountainside uh, and escaped to spend time with the father. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so if, if that's Jesus's pattern, shouldn't it be ours as well? Like, it shouldn't be value, okay, we're doing all of this ministry work. Now I need to set some time aside to focus on my spiritual life and connecting with the Father. Um, and so for me, uh, I think uh, one of the disciplines that I, I've kind of um, done is once a month, I take a day of prayer and fasting where I say, hey, I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to shut off my email and not think about ministry per se, but my own personal walk with Christ. Uh, and so I'm going to spend time in the word. I'm going to journal. I'm going to pray and just take a day to be alone with the father. Um, and so that's just one of the things that I do once a month, just as a focus uh, to, to dial my, my walk with Christ in. Another one is to uh, like, as I'm driving into the office in the mornings, or I, I'm always tempted to turn on the, the young adults podcast or whatever it is and listen and tune in to try to grow and process things. Uh, sometimes uh, I, I try to do it at least one day a week to turn off the radio, turn off the podcast and just spend time praying uh, mm -hmm. as I, as I drive home uh, to connect uh, with the father. Uh, and then for me, whereas I'm tempted to get into the office and jump into work right away, uh, I try to build the discipline that for the first 30 minutes in the office, I'm not to open my computer or, or do anything else, but brew some good coffee and sit down uh, and dive into God's word. Uh, and so I, I realized that if I'm going to lead others, I first and foremost need to lead myself. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually the greatest gift that I can give to my people. That's the greatest gift that I can give to my wife, my kids, uh, the people I have the opportunity as lead, to lead, is that I'm abiding in Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and if I do that well, like that's going to set everybody else up around me to succeed and to grow and to flourish spiritually uh, if I'm taking seriously the call to do that myself. Yeah, I just look at if, if Jesus Christ had to get away, how much more do I need to get away? Even in this day and age, it's like the son of God had to say, okay, people, I'm going to go pray. I'm not, I'm just going to disappear for a bit. How important is that one day or that weekend or whatever that looks like that God's asking us to quiet our hearts and to quiet our minds and to truly hear the spirit of God and I would just say, Pastor Chad, three things that I just wrote down while you were talking is one thing that I've learned. Um, we all need to be advocates for our families and our ministries because nobody's going to advocate for us. Nobody's going to protect our calendar and our time like we can protect our calendar and time of ourselves. So there's at, like the advocate I've learned how to say and, and pray through before I say anything is saying yes to the God things and no to the good things. Yeah. Even if the good things can be godly and of God, it, it might be a no for me, but I can find somebody else who you can talk to if someone's asking for a volunteer or a host home or whatever that is and looks like. And the third thing is um, just learning how to leverage time and leaders. So for example, like Josiah and I, we've recognized, Josiah gets pulled out a lot from young men, just like everybody wants a, a pastor, everybody wants a one-on-one -on -one with him. And I'm like, Josiah, what if you could get six to eight guys in our home who all are looking for the same thing. They have relatively the same questions. They're, they're hungry for fellowship. They're hungry for truth. They're hungry for community and they want it with you. But what if you could get all those young men in the same room and to provide something for them instead of taking eight one-on-ones, which equals eight hours, invite those eight guys over for a brunch, spend two to three hours together and meet again next month. So to, to really learn how to leverage time and leadership has been super fun to 
to be able to navigate. And granted, yes, there are people that need those one-on-ones, but when you have that many people pulling at the exact same thing, sometimes you can just make it into a life group and you still make it intimate too. So Micah, when you, I didn't know you were going to share that, but when you did that for me, you really helped me advocate for our family. You helped me say yes to the God things, say yes to the good things and say no to the good things. And then you helped me lead and leverage my time. And that was an absolute game changer. Mm -hmm. I had a blast. Chad, when Micah did this, this was probably, it was pre-COVID. So it might've been six months or a year ago, the first time she challenged me to do this. There was breakfast for all of the guys. There was good coffee. Mm -hmm. We had a blast in our kitchen, Mm -hmm. in our living room. They all got to meet each other Mm -hmm. and it changed. Like I was living off the high of that because it was so fun for like a week. I just had so much joy just from leveraging my time well. And, and I hope that that could be maybe a practical takeaway for somebody. You used the words at the beginning of the podcast, you know, what was it? Practical wisdom. And I feel like there's been so much good practical wisdom from Micah, from you, Chad. And the only thing I would add in addition to what you said, and in addition to what Micah said, is something actually you did say that I want to dive one step deeper, is that you can't lead others well Mm -hmm. if you're not leading yourself well. And so what that looks like for me, Chad, is I'm not going to ask someone I'm leading to do something I'm not already doing. So I may ask somebody to come up with a Luke 252 plan, but I've already been doing that for years. Mm -hmm. I might ask them or challenge them to pray and fast like you did. But I've, I've been doing that for years. I might ask them to do something, but I've been living it. And so with that, I think that like self-leadership and personal development is so key. And can you just talk off script for a second, chat about your team and, and how you've maybe led yourself, how you've led your team. And, and now as it's college students in one ministry and young professionals in another, like can you talk about your leadership structure or how you've spiritually led yourself and how that has kind of flown through the ministry, flown in you and through you and into the ministry as well? Yeah, definitely. And so uh, specifically when it comes to, to self-leadership and in, in my teams that I have the opportunity to lead, uh, I think the, the biggest key is setting an example. Um, is it, the biggest thing. And I, I reflect on First Peter 5, uh, where, uh, where it says to uh, shepherd the flock that's among you, um, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, uh, as would God would have you. And it says not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Uh, and so as I lead, what, what my biggest uh, asset is going to be is as a servant leader to set an example of what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Uh, and I remember earlier on feeling this tension of like, hey, I'm calling my young adults to this place that I'm not even in myself. Um, and realizing that if I am going to lead efficiently, uh, I have to be in a healthy place. I have to have a growing and thriving relationship with the Lord. Uh, and so that's going to be a priority uh, that I, in essence, as Paul said, um, follow me as I follow Christ. Like I want to be able to see that, say that and do that in good conscience. Um, and so it came with, with a lot of self-reflection, uh, but then it, it came of, uh, regularly gathering together um, and and making uh, disciples. Uh, I think that often too many times we think about a leadership pipeline. We think about trying to build systems and build processes when Matthew 28 is a very relational thing. Uh, so it's rubbing off on other people. Um, and just I loved how you invited those guys over to your house because I think very tangibly that's what it looks like to make disciples. Um, yeah. And that's an, an organic thing that's going to multiply. Like Jesus had the masses coming to him and yet he chose the 12 to invest in for three and a half years. And it's I mean, and the movement in Acts just exploded because it was a discipleship uh, mm-hmm. aspect of I'm going to find disciples, make disciples, and they're going to make disciples. 
Uh, and so uh, for me, one of the, the biggest things that we do specifically in our life groups is always identify an apprentice uh, on the front okay. end of saying, hey, you're leaving, but who is an apprentice? Who is somebody that within six months to a year could step in and lead that, lead your group so you can go launch another group or you can send them out with some of the people that in your, are in your group to multiply groups. Um, and so over the last three years, we've, we've multiplied over like 10 groups uh, by that happening and it enables more people to enter into biblical community, uh, which, is, which is super important. Uh, and so for me, it's, it's setting an example. It is uh, realizing that discipleship is, is organic and through relationships. Um, and then it is just creating an environment where people can be open and share what God is teaching them and, and create opportunities for them to, um, uh, to learn from one another. Um, that I'm, I'm not the, the professional, I'm not the one that has all the answers, but we're a body of believers coming together. Uh, and so it's encouraging others to share with other people what they're learning uh, and it have it be kind of a collective where everybody's sharing their, their practical wisdom or their best practices on how to lead and disciple other people well. Yes, Pastor Chad, I love that. Even you using the terminology multiply, not divide. Because yep. sometimes when you're leading a group and it gets so large, they're like, we need to split, we need to divide. It's like, no, no, no. That's why Jesus said, and they multiplied daily. You know, so we as leaders hopefully use the proper terminology to not look at it as a loss of people in two different groups, but a gain of the, you know, the glory of God and the discipleship, um, you know, kind of just being continued on. So great terminology. I think it needs to be used as a leader because our followers are listening very closely. And um, we want our listeners to tune in a little closer now because Pastor Chad, we want to get to know you one step deeper. So we've come to the part of our episode where we do five thoughts in five minutes. So it's called five and five. How are you feeling? Do you think you're up for the challenge? I think so. Let's uh, let's see what we got here. He's up for it. Let's go. All let's right, do let's it. Do, do you want me to kick it off or do you go want to? It. Okay, so question number one, Pastor Chad. If you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Three words. Um, first off, I, I think I would say relational. Um, I love to connect with people. Um, I And uh, I love the fact that I get to do ministry because it gives me that opportunity. Um, so I would say I'm highly relational. I, I love to connect with people. Uh, I would say that I am a learner. Um, I've heard it said that leaders are learners. And so I always am reading a book or, or jumping on different blog articles or uh, listening to podcasts. Like I love just learning about ministry and what people are doing and, and having conversations. Uh, and then lastly, uh, the third one would be coffee. <laughs> I, because Seattle, I, I live in the coffee uh, central, <laughs> the coffee capital of the world. And so um, yeah, I, I love some some great coffee. <laughs> Shout out to Seattle. Hope to join you for a cup, a cup of coffee there soon. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. Come on out. <laughs> so next question is, Chad, would you share about maybe one of the greatest challenges you're facing right now personally? Yeah, I think that uh, the, the biggest challenge that I'm currently facing is the moving uh, goal line of doing ministry in the midst of COVID-19. Yeah. Um, specifically uh, with the regulations that uh, are constantly being handed down to us. It's the, the goal line is moving and we're trying to re-strategize and change what we're doing almost on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, we're going to minister in this way. And next week we're going to have to change things up completely differently, uh, which has been a big challenge, uh, which to me has, has really taught me to keep uh, how I do ministry very loosely and realizing that I can't marry myself to a specific uh, style of ministry because that might have to change. And I think that's one of the biggest things that, that COVID has taught us is that, hey, we got to be flexible uh, to reach God's people because it could change in a flip of a switch. Oh man, that's great. I think a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of listeners are exactly what, where and what you just described. But this is an off script question that I just feel like I'm supposed to ask you today just to get to know you. Um, if, if God could answer one of your prayers today, what would that prayer be? Ooh, that's a great question. 
Um, I would say like we are right in the heart and, and I, I could be crazy for trying this, but we're in the process of launching uh, two new brand new ministries in the midst of COVID-19. So for, for the last three years, as I've been on staff here, it has been uh, Keenan Hills Young Adults. And we've gotten to the place where we are multiplying our ministry to be our Canyon Hills College ministry, which is like 18 to 24, and then our Young Professionals ministry, which is 25 to 35. Okay. As I've kind of gotten the lay of the landscape, I've, I've realized that those demographics kind of um, move naturally in, in two distinct places. And so uh, the biggest prayer is that we would launch strongly. Um, and even in the midst of adversity, that uh, God would show up and do some incredible things as, as we're trying to get these things off the ground. Great answer. That was fun. That's amazing. <laughs> we're joining our faith with yours, Chad. We're believing and praying and declaring that God's going to do new things. Mm-hmm. He's going to do remarkable things. And he's the dream giver. He's the one who helped you understand the times and to know what to, to do like the men of Issachar. And he's the one who gave you this clarity, even in the midst of chaos, he's mm-hmm. provided creativity that triumphs over challenges. And so we're just believing and declaring that God's going to move and this is going to mm-hmm. be amazing. So thanks for sharing that chat. If you could ask Mike and I anything, any question, we're an open book. What do you want to ask us today? Yeah, so I, I was thinking about this question, and I'd love to hear from you guys. What are some practical things you're looking or that you're doing in your lives to practice the way of Jesus? So what, is, what does self-leadership look like practically in your lives as you're trying to lead a ministry, lead your family, um, um, and, um, and follow Jesus at the same time? So practically, what does that look like for you? Sure. Mike is looking at me first. You know, it's been brand new and a new self-discovery the past three, four months of being a dad, because I used to be able to do my quiet time with God whenever, wherever, and and however long (laughs) that I wanted to. And so I have felt, and I've said this on previous episodes, I have literally felt that the depths of my heart have been calling out to the absolute depths of Jesus. And I'm not satisfied. I'm not content with where I am, where I've been. And there's a longing in my heart for so much more of God. And so practically what that's looked like is on a daily basis, getting away with God, Mm -hmm. opening his word, journaling, reflecting, um, practicing the presence of Jesus. Some Some of the times there's worship on, some of the times it's quiet so that I can literally remove all distractions. Um, I've taken breaks from social media because I do not want scrolling and social media to be the loudest voice in my life. I want the spirit's voice and the scripture to be the loudest voice in my life. And then I have been reading the classics. I mean, if they're old and dead and gone, that's what I've been reading. So everything Dallas Willard this year, I've been reading everything Eugene Peterson, everything C.S. Lewis, um, just finished A.W. Tozer's works, as well as um, Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders and um, Ordering Your Private World by Gordon MacDonald. So I felt like as I'm entering a new season, part of it's COVID, part of Mm -hmm. it's parenting, but I just felt like um, the ruthless hurry has been ruthlessly eliminated to borrow an old phrase that's not my own. And now I've been saying a no to more things than ever so that I can truly mm-hmm. have time with Jesus, have time with Micah, be a faithful dad mm-hmm. and, and a available minister. So I'm a work in progress, mm-hmm. but I'm longing for more of God. And I think that you mentioned fasting. Fasting's a part of it. Um, prayer's a part of it. But that's a snapshot into my life. Micah, how about you? Yeah, I would definitely say, number one, well, the practical thing I need to personally do is I need to re- get away from the distractions. So I go into the basement. I turn on my favorite worship set that I have set up when, the, when I feel like God has spoken the most clear and the most loud in my life. And I still connect with those songs and those lyrics. Even if they're seven years old, it was a very pivotal moment in my life. And it's just like, when I hit play, it's like I can enter the throne room right. quicker than any other playlist. And I'm not saying it's a magical song by any means, but it, my heart is prepared and my heart is um, 
is able to exercise that more quickly. The more I'm with him, the more I'm able to get into his presence and to hear his still small voice. So eliminating that worship music, um, definitely. I always have my journal, have my Bible. And one of my favorite uh, devotions that I do every year is uh, My Utmost for His Highs by Oswald Chambers. That one, it, it's one page, but it is deep. It cuts to the heart right away. It helps, you know, pinpoint those things in my life that I need to work on and the characteristics of Christ that he wants to expose of who he is to me. And um, just one acronym that I like to use, um, it's P-R-A-Y, which is pray. So I start out, it's praise, repent, ask, and yield. So I have two ears and one mouth, and sometimes I feel like I have two mouths and one ear. So really asking the Lord, like Holy Spirit, like God, what do you want to do in my life today? Interrupt my day. And then yielding and listening to the promptings of, of his heart for me or for the ministry. So like Josiah said, we are not perfect people. We are just people who have said yes to God um, and always want to be in tune with what he's doing. And in order to do that, eliminating the noise is probably one of the biggest things. So when I don't do a devotion for one day, I think the whole household can feel it. <laughs> and, and my soul, and my soul can feel it. So we are all definitely a work in progress. Um, but I can only take people as far as I'm willing to go. So that would be a challenging thought that I would just leave the listener with. If you're starving yourself, how are you, you know, living on manna and leftovers if you haven't opened your Bible? So, yeah. And I'd say to the person like me, um, this is what the Lord spoke to me, is if you're not satisfied with where you are, C.S. Lewis said it this way, and I was really blessed and encouraged to hear this. He said, if you are experiencing desires that this world cannot satisfy, it's because you were designed by God mm -hmm. for a different world. You're designed for eternity. You're designed for a heavenly, eternal relationship with God. And this world will never satisfy that. Right, right. I know I'm at, we're ask, answering longer than we're supposed to, but I feel like I'm supposed to share this with a leader. I was in a season where I was not... Not I was able to, but not choosing to necessarily self-discipline myself like this question is with leadership. And God spoke to me, said, Micah, I am not a sack lunch God, meaning that I'm not going to, God has prepared a feast for me every morning to dive into his word, to dive into his presence. And I was in a season probably seven, eight years ago um, where I found myself for a short season where I would just, you know, grab what I needed from God and run mm -hmm. out the door. So if you imagine a father who stayed up all night preparing wow. this enormous feast for you and saying at breakfast time, sit with me, spend time with me, you know, pray with me, you know, like let me fill you up. And I think that was a huge turning point in my life to recognize if I'm called to be a pastor and a leader and a woman of God, I need to sit down at the table with God instead of licking the crumbs off the floor. And I think that's what a reminder was like, God is not a sack lunch God, meaning I'm not going to take what I want from him and run out the door. I need to intentionally spend time. And when you park yourself at that table, time goes so quickly. God speaks so clearly. And that hunger for your soul cannot be satisfied, you know, because you're constantly wanting to be in tune with him, not only in your prayer times, but throughout the day. So I don't know who that's for, but that's just a sneak peek into a season that I was in. Um, so if you find yourself there, get off the floor, stop looking off the crumbs and sit down at the feast table of Christ. So come on. Okay. I'm going to stop blabbing. Chad, so, we got one more question. We got one more question. Back to you, Chad. So sorry, but Pastor Chad, if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders, one thing, what in the world would you leave them with today? Yeah. So uh, kind of going back to first Peter five, I mentioned earlier uh, in verse five there, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders and clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Uh, and so one of the things that I would say to the college and young adults pastors listening now is to walk in humility and realize that you may not have all the answers or don't know, and that's a good thing, and that you should seek and find mentors who have a lot of the answers. Um, one of the greatest things that I have done uh, since coming here is really sought out a mentor uh, who has spoken a lot of truth and wisdom into my life and invested in me. Um, anything from 
um, how to lead in ministry and, and how to be a dad and, and how to care for my wife well in ministry. And I mean, he's been in pastoral ministry for like 25 plus years. And so um, that's what, what I would challenge you most um, with walking away today is one of the best ways to self lead uh, is to find somebody who can invest in you uh, and to be that mentor uh, who you can go to on the, the flip of a switch. If, um, if something's going on, you can pick up your phone and call them immediately and they'll help walk you walk through things. I think that that's been so beneficial to me uh, as I, I've tried to pursue a pastoral ministry. Chad, I'm going to ask, ask for a bonus round question for you because so many people ask us, what do I look for in a mentor? What would you say to somebody who's never had a mentor to speak into their life? What are the top three things that that person has to exude for you and that is super beneficial, beneficial for the listener today? Yeah, so I think it's a, a hunger and thirst for Christ, like a, above anything else, that they are just radiating the love of Jesus in their lives. Um, because I don't know about you, but I want more of that. So I'm going to immediately look for somebody that has that um, and rub shoulders with them so that that will rub off, rub off on me. Um, secondly, I would say a track record of faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who um, you see, hey, they have um, a family uh, that is growing and thriving. Uh, they have experience in leading ministry and doing those uh, different types of things. Uh, and then uh, lastly, I would say uh, somebody that's different from you. Um, I, I think when we go and look and try to find mentors, uh, it's somebody that we think, oh, they like the same things that I like and, and are, uh, have the same passions and hobbies and all of that type of stuff. I think for us to grow, we need to try to think outside the box of, hey, who are somebody that's maybe not like me that can um, kind of um, force me to grow uh, and force me to, to think about things differently? Um, so I would say try to find somebody that maybe you aren't comfortable with or that you would be challenged by them speaking truth into your life. And so those are the three things that I think I would say. Great. Thanks for going there. What a fire conversation. Absolutely phenomenal. You know, I think my favorite thing, Chad, about today's time is just how practical it is. You know, like Jesus is... Um, deep and he's wide and he's long and he's high and we get to know him better and to quote Andy Stanley knowing Jesus makes you better at life and makes life better Mm -hmm. and I think this conversation is is one that's made us better at ministry and ministry better you know and so thanks for taking time out of your schedule to spend with us if you're listening you can find out more about Chad Torreson and the Canyon Hills Community Church Young Adults when you connect with us on our website at youngadults.today as well as across all social media platforms is simply the app sign with youngadults.today. Until next time, here with Micah and Chad and we're signing off. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.